Welcome to the Eclectic Readers Podcast, where we book all day, every day. I'm Jeanette. I'm Susan. I'm Tara. And I'm Meredith. Hey, guys. How are you? Hey. Hey. Oh, well, I'm good. I'm getting ready for my oldest birthday. I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, I've, you know, I've been collecting books through the years. Just, it's like, you know, you collect Christmas presents. I collect, you know, gifts. Um, but anyways, I got a bunch of books to give her. So I'm really excited. Some of them are so good that like, I, I kind of want to read them and like, or activity books, like I want to do them. And like, you know, I'm a grown up. I really shouldn't. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'll, I'm, I'm excited to be uh, do, doing those books or reading those books with her. Um, so that'll be fun. And I've also decided to participate in being a book fairy. Um, have you guys heard of those? No. no. Okay. What the heck is a, other than like it sounds amazing? <laughs> yeah, right. I have fun. no idea what it is. <laughs> I so, want a book fairy. Yeah, I discovered on Goodreads they're partnering with book fairies um, for their birthday. Um, and what it is is I believe in bookfairies.com and you they have a, an official sticker where you just you know put a sticker on a book, uh, you know one of your your books or whatnot, and they just hide it around their city. Like, so people can just pick oh, up a free book. okay. Yeah. And just, so it's like geocaching for books. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So I was like, well, this looks like fun. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I decided to, they're based in the UK, I think England. Um, but I'm not quite sure that all the prices were in pounds, so. <laughs> I mean, England then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Some part of the United Kingdom, maybe not England, but like maybe Wales or Scotland or Northern Ireland, but but the United Kingdom. Yeah. So I'm thinking England, but I didn't see like where their base was or anything. So I I don't want to like assume. But yeah, in the UK. And um, so hopefully my, I just ordered them. So hopefully my stickers will get here. I think it takes, the Goodreads thing takes place in the middle of the month. Um, So if they send it right away, I should get it on time. So that'll be exciting and fun. That'll yeah. be fun, yeah. Yeah, that sounds super fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, speaking of England, <laughs> <laughs> um, I am getting ready for another round of travel. So my schedule has been crazy. I've had basically no time for anything but work stuff because I'm just trying to prep for um, starting in about 14 days. Um as soon as, well, actually, no, by the time this podcast comes out, I will be in London already. And between then and November 11th, I will only be at work for eight days, or in my office for eight days. I will be working the entire time. I'll just be working in other countries. Um, so I'll only be in my office for eight days during that time period. So I'm just trying to prep myself for that madness. Yeah, that's a long time yeah. to be away. It's, it's really it is, busy. it is. Um, so, so yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'm really looking forward to it. I love traveling for my job. I think it's really fun. But looking at my schedule, I have to admit, I'm a little <laughs> terrified. <laughs> there yeah. can be a limit, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's a little intimidating. Yeah. I, I mean, it's like a plane every three days on average. So <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> it's not a lot of hanging out in fun cities or anything like that this time around. So 
Um, and I've got two weddings in between that. So I'm not even flying home. I'm flying back to the States to different places mm-hmm. to, um, to go to two separate weddings and I'm flying back out. Um, don't even get to say hit on my dogs, you guys. It's going to be... Aww. Just, just going to be like, okay, well... I do get to see my husband. So I'm going to be like, yay, husband. Then I'm going to be like, okay, bye. <laughs> well, at least you get to see your husband, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Although he's going to be like, oh, I, why did I come to this wedding? I'm in law school. Everything's the way. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so, like, I'll only probably see him during actual wedding events. And then everything else, he's going to be, like, locked up in a hotel room just being like, don't disturb me. Yeah, sure. Sure. Don't need to do. <laughs> What about you, Mare? How are you doing? I'm good. Uh, yesterday was the National Book Festival in Washington, D.C. So that was a lot of fun. It's always fun getting to go and kind of prepping ahead of time to see who I want to hear speak or whatever. Um, so this year I didn't get to stay for the whole day, but I did get to hear uh, three different talks. And the nice thing was they were back to back in the same room. So I nice. just plopped so down, awesome. got a good seat, <laughs> and I didn't have to move for like three hours. Nice. Uh, so, and it was interesting because they were all a little different. The The first talk I listened to was Saba Tahir, and she had like a prepared talk, like with a PowerPoint, like standing at a podium, but it was really good. Like she was really funny, uh, and she was talking about kind of the whole process of getting an Ember in the Ashes uh, published and growing up and... And just talking about failure and how that's kind of a thing that goes along with writing. You know, you have to be okay with failing and, you know, your first draft is always terrible. Always, you know. And (laughs) so it was a really good talk. And then uh, Marie Lu was interviewed, kind of like a one-on-one interview talk. And I actually haven't read any of her books, but War Cross comes out in like a month or so, I think. And it sounds really good. So I'm super excited for that one to come out. And then the third talk that I sat in on was actually a panel, and it had uh, Melissa De La Cruz, who most recently has wrote uh, Alex and Eliza, which was based on, like, Hamilton. She said mm-hmm. that her one of her daughters just fell in love with the musical Hamilton, and so she wrote a love story for Alex and Eliza. Aww. And then uh, Nicola Yoon was also on the panel. Uh, I think most recently she's written The Sun is Also a Star. And Sandaya Menon was also on the panel. And she just came out with uh, When Dimple Met Rishi. So they were talking about YA and love stories and all of that. And it was really cute. Nice. Uh, there's so many books that you just listed that <laughs> yeah. I want to read. <laughs> I know. it's Yeah, there's so many books. I feel like oh, that'll yeah. be like the title of my memoir. I'm going to get around to that because uh, there are there's so many. I'm going to read that one day. I have read one by Marie Lu, um, which was really interesting because she did um, the Legend series. Um, and I read Legend and it's one of those dystopias. But hers is more of a slow burn. It was interesting. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, she talked a little bit about all of her books, I guess. And yeah, I think it was Legend she said that. It, between the different books within that series, uh, you know, she was writing it for years and years and years, and like sometimes it would put her in a pretty dark place. So she'd have to like give herself palate cleansers at the end of the day, like watch like Aww. fluffy animals and things like that. You know, <laughs> I get that. I totally get that. When you're in like an uncomfortable skin for a long time, it's like, mm, 
I've got to go do this other thing now. Mm-hmm. Just Yeah, and she said one yeah. of her palate cleansers was also writing War Cross just in her free time at night because oh. I guess it's a more, I don't know if it's like happy, but I think it's just a different tone from Legend. Right, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, so Jeanette, what about you? How have you been doing? Oh, I am doing pretty well. Um, I did not get to go to National Book Festival through a series of unfortunate events, but I did get to have a bookish date with Meredith last week, so that was pretty fun. Um, it was fun. Aww, it was. So we're back in school now, teaching again, just had our first week, and um, last year, one of my students had been like, "Miss Rivera, can you buy more books for the classroom? And he like wrote down specifically like books he wanted to read. In fact, I still have the post-it note sitting in front of me here. It's cute. At, because of course I put it on my desk so that I would go, remember to go and buy the books. Well, with all the revamping of my office over the summer, I never actually sat at my desk and I completely forgot until last weekend that I was supposed to go book shopping. Oh, <laughs> so, you know, well, I had to run this errand. It was really important that I go to the bookstore. So I was like, what would make this, you know, really hard, difficult errand even better. <laughs> so I called up Meredith. I was like, hey, Meredith, you want to go to Barnes & Noble today? Nice. He's like, um, <laughs> yes, is that a question? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that was how we spent last week. And we went to Barnes & Noble and hung out and bought Harry Potter bookmarks. And then we drank beer with uh, Meredith's husband. Oh, fun. that's what we do. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Books and beer. <laughs> That sounds like literally the best, you guys. The so best, and I'm so jelly. Yeah. It was pretty fun. So, obviously, we all love to go out and buy books, but what are you reading right now? Uh, to buy books. I, I, I try not to buy books. Actually, I buy books for my kids. I don't buy books for myself anymore. <laughs> mm. um, but, yay, thankfully. Mom life. AI. Yeah, you know, financially... <laughs> Financially, I think that seems less responsible. <laughs> <laughs> Buying your a ton kids of kids are kids books? for a much shorter time than you are an adult and your <laughs> children are adults. So. Yeah, but I mean, kids, they like to have things that are there. They can't, you know, digital books are harder for them, obviously. And, you know, board books are sturdier. So that's even more helpful. And activity books, you can't really have digitally as well. Like, so. Yeah. <laughs> Not to mention, I'm just going to add here as a fellow mom, like there are a lot of kids books that like slide in stuff for parents. Yes. So mm-hmm. kids books are really fun for parents too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> have fun so, reading Catherine's I, books. It's, yeah. Kids, kids books. I mean, we borrow a ton of books at the library, even for the kids. Um, but to have like yeah. actual books in the house is really encouraged. Um, like studies shown that kids will read more and that, you know, they feel better about reading if they have just books everywhere. So it's like, yeah. And some, some books are just weird shaped or, you know, have tabs <laughs> and things like, <laughs> so yeah, anyways. Yeah, so I was getting really scientific, Susan. I was yeah. like, man. And then you're like, and books are weird shaped. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, having the tactileness, yep. if that's mm-hmm. a word. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Kids love somehow that Somehow I don't think that any of our children are going to be like, guys, why don't we have enough books in this house? <laughs> why? 
why don't why don't we have books around? I mean, I just don't feel good about reading. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, this is why, because I buy them a ton of books. <laughs> well, true, true. Clearly, you're doing the right thing, Susan. You're being a great parent. You're doing the absolute right thing. And also, I don't give the, like, I mean, like I said, I just said before, you know, I have a ton of books in the basement waiting to be given out because, you know, they need to cycle through new books because they get bored easily. It's just kids. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Be fair. Adults do that, too. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyways, I'll, you know, coming back from that well, tangent. Well, so then, Susan, what are you reading? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I am reading Lady Midnight by Cassandra Clare. I'm listening to the audiobook for that. Um, and I am reading The Land of Stories, the first book, The Wishing Spell by Chris Colfer. So, hmm. yeah. Is Chris Colfer the, uh, the kid from Glee? Yes, he was Okay, Kurt. I was like... I was wondering. I was like, yeah. I know that name. Yeah. Dude, I let was... me know how that goes. It's so cute. <laughs> I saw his movie and I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. So. It, the, the book is really cute, really endearing. Um, the writing is simple, but like not bad simple, you know? Mm-hmm. Clean. So, yeah, it is. It's like kind of to the point. Um, it's really good, like young adult, like middle grade young adult book. I'm I'm only like, I don't know, mm. five, seven chapters in or something. Um, but I, I'm really mm-hmm. liking it a lot. So, Cool. Yeah. So what you reading, Tara? So I say this all the time, and I feel terrible. <laughs> like this year has been the year of Tara being too busy to do these things. Um, but I'm really, really busy. <laughs> um, I, I swear, next, next month, you're just going to hear a laundry list of stuff that I'm doing. Um, because when I'm on a plane, I have way more time to read and I'll get through like eight books or something (laughs) the next time you hear me. Um, but I'm reading volume two of Bitch Planet, which I was so excited to get in the mail the other day. I was like, yes, I love you. Um, I'm also reading another graphic novel that I got during our July, um, what is it called? Our blind book with a date, blind date oh, with a yeah. book. That's it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Sorry. Other you way around. Um, we did a sort of in real life blind book with a blind date with, why can't I say this? Blind date with a book. And I got. I knew o- this was going to be our punchy episode, guys. I, <laughs> I got Octavia E. Butler's The Kindred, um, which is a graphic novel adaptation, actually, of. Octavia Butler's uh, book by Damien Duffy and John Jennings. Um, it looks really good, and it's a hefty, um, it's a hefty little uh, hardback graphic novel. So I'm going to try to get that done before I leave. Um, I'm also rereading the Clockwork series, partially inspired by Meredith, and I'm going to let her talk about it. But I am rereading that, um, and I just downloaded the American Gods. Um, audio book because I want to hear it now. (laughs) I I read it ages ago um, and I loved the series and I thought it was wonderful. And yeah. um, So I just thought now would be a good time to re-listen to it. So I'm sort of in the middle of a lot of things actually, but I've had no time to complete any of them. Apologies to my books who are just sitting... You're reading some good stuff, though. I am. I am. No, it's all good. It's all good all the time. Um, What about you, Jeanette? What are you reading? 
Well, I am reading City of Heavenly Angels by Cass Cassandra Clare. Um, I want to read Lady Midnight, but I never actually got around to um, finishing Cassandra Clare's Mortal Instruments series. Just because, like we were saying, like kids can get oversaturated with certain books. I was kind of oversaturated in that world. So I kind of never went back and picked it up. And I was like, oh, wait, I should do that before I read the next one. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Because, you know, spoilers. Exactly. So, sure. Um, spoilers. So I started reading that, but um, I just had a lot going on lately, what with going back to work and everything. So it's been a little stressful. So that one's coming a little slow. But I did just finish Adulthood is a Myth by Sarah Anderson. Ooh. Wait, is that that really... super cute, yes. like, graphic novel? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yes. it was, it's really, it was really nice um, because it's super cute. Um, all the comics in it are, like, really simple mm -hmm. they're just i don't know they're just really short they're usually most of them are only four a few panels, panels right yeah yeah thinking. most of them some of them are even like two panels okay um so most of them are really short and they're funny so yeah. it was just a nice relaxing way to be like okay i can't deal with you know battles and darkness and emotions right now <laughs> so let me put the claire aside and pick up you know cute comics <laughs> we got that one for for free at book riot didn't we mare yes we did and we got uh, it signed yes it's it was super awesome cute. <laughs> yeah so i've been enjoying that one yeah well i've you? got a bunch of things that i'm kind of juggling at the moment and some i just finished so uh which helps <laughs> but i am i'm reading clockwork Clockwork Angel by Cassandra Clare right now because I've only read the first three Immortal Instrument books mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, so I really need to pick up the pace there. <laughs> uh, Someone's behind. Uh, yeah. yeah, I got I'm a little right overwhelmed. I was like, there's so many books and uh, they're yeah. good though and I'm really enjoying Clockwork Angel. I'm almost done with it and you know I got the little trilogy box set so I can just zoom on into the next two. And see what the heck is going to happen. Um, so I'm reading that right now. I'm also reading The Prince by Machiavelli. Nice. Which kind of random. But <laughs> at my job, our director uh, just retired. And he gave us all like this list of like business books that he thinks we should read. And someone has taken it upon themselves to start a monthly book club at the office of Ooh, the list. And nice. for some reason, The Prince was on there. So... <laughs> Uh, we're kind of reading that with uh, the lens of how we can use this in business. How familiar are you with Borgia-era Italy? Not particularly, I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> you have to be pretty familiar with that area, with that time period to get the fullness of oh, that. Yeah, you're you're going like, to be looking people up left, right, and center is just what I mean. Oh, yeah. I'm just like, it's just like a history book. You it know, is. Like, there's, there's some good tidbits in there, but I was like, I don't know who all these people are. I mean, he's pretty much talking about his friends. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah. you know, it's, it's going fine. You know, it is what it is, I guess. It's short. It's, you know, now I can say that I've read it, I guess. Uh, yeah. And then I've also been on an audiobook kick uh, recently, I I listened to my first Sherlock Holmes book, guys. Nice, yay! Cool. It's one of those things you're like, oh, I know all the stories, and you're like, wait, have I actually read any of them? Right. Or yeah. just seen all the adaptations? 
Yep. So uh, I listened to The Sign of the Four on audiobook, and it was really good. Um, but, wow, they, like, just jump right into him shooting up cocaine. <laughs> like, <laughs> all right, so we're doing this, huh? Yeah. And then... Sure, that can be questionable sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and then their descriptions towards the POC characters were not particularly favorable. Um, so... Yeah, I guess you just have to kind of read it through the lens of that time period, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I went on vacation a few weeks ago, and so we were had a long road trip, and I'm trying to get my husband to read more. <laughs> so I was like, let's do a reread of the first Harry Potter book Yay! via audiobook and see how you like it, because he loves Harry Potter. So I was like, Aww. yes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull you into these audiobooks. <laughs> and he loved it. And then on the way back home, we started listening to Ready Player One via audio. Because I wanted to do a reread before the movie comes out next year. Mm -hmm. And he is loving it. I'm so excited. I think I might have found a way for him to read. (laughs) That's really cool. Maybe that's really uh, cool. Do the Martian next for him then on audio. Mm, That would be a good Mm -hmm. one. He really liked the movie. My evil plan to make my (laughs) husband read. (laughs) <laughs> so a slightly just tiny bit off topic I just want to put out that you know when we were discussing the Ready Player One film adaptation I was concerned that they were gonna make that oh what's the what's what's Percival's female friend Artemis Artemis I was concerned they're gonna make Artemis too skinny mm-hmm. I'm just saying have you seen pictures <laughs> yeah yeah just just Feather in my cap, that's all. Thank you. Bye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not that I'm happy about it. I'd much rather have been wrong. Yeah. Much rather. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. I'm definitely interested to see how they do the whole Oasis stuff on yeah. film, right? It'll be, it'll be pretty cool. Uh, all right, so let's keep moving. As you know from the, the title of this episode, we are discussing The Savage Song by Victoria Schwab. And as it happened this week, some really big news came out, <laughs> you guys. Holy crap. Uh, she had been hinting towards it on her Twitter that she was going to have some really big news coming out. And she did not disappoint, guys. Schwab just signed a $1 million book deal with Tor Books for a new trilogy that is set in the Shade of Magic universe and a standalone novel. So I was in the office. I still had, I don't know, an hour, half an hour before I was leaving. And I just pulled up (laughs) Twitter real quick. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And I like all I wanted to do was scream. But I'm in my cubicle and I can't do that. So I was holding it in and I thought I was going to pass out. (laughs) That's okay. That's why you messaged us. (laughs) Yeah. I did. I was I was texting them, and it was like all caps, like "Oh my god!" Uh, <laughs> I mean, this is huge news, yeah. and I'm so happy because I love the Shades of Magic trilogy, and I, you know, the characters are just amazing, and I wasn't ready to say goodbye to them, and I'm glad that she's not ready to say goodbye either. Yep. So, the new trilogy is called Threads of Power, and it'll pick up five to ten years after A Conjuring of Light. Uh, she did say that they'll have new leads, but our beloved Shades of Magic characters will be returning. I'm so excited. Uh, and the new series is set right now to begin in 2020. 
which sounds like a long time from now, but it'll be here before we know it. Yeah, it's only yeah, a few that's years. What I was just thinking. I was like, <laughs> man, that's so far away. And no. then I saw what's re- up next on the rundown, and I'm like, oh, well, that's – oh, geez. 2020 is not that far. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, Marvel has trained me at this point. 2020 is nothing. Yeah. Like, I've been waiting for 2019 for Marvel for, what, six years now? Like, <laughs> Yep. And so then the the fourth book that was also in that deal is a standalone novel. And uh, right now it's titled Black Tabs, and it'll focus on female assassins in futuristic New York City. And Schwab has dubbed this her female Blade Runner story. That's cool. In it already. (laughs) In it for it. That's so cool. (laughs) And so then... you know, not within that book deal, but the next year we are getting the sequel to Vicious, which is called Vengeful. It'll be out I'm in so 2018. Well, uh, I haven't read that one yet, so. I guess I have to read it, yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'm, I'm behind you, on her books. Like, seriously, you will love it. It's Vicious, like, when yeah. I read it, guys, I talked about it on the podcast way back when I first yeah. read it. And, like, that is what hooked me onto Schwab. Like, it's so good. Yeah, so it it really is. Um, she's just she's so good at writing characters, and mm-hmm. you won't be disappointed. <laughs> That's for sure. So continuing on, uh, maybe a week or so ago, we posted a question out on our Litzy page asking our followers, "Who are your auto buy authors? As in authors that you just love so much." that you find yourself automatically buying or borrowing from the library <laughs> any new books that they publish. And we got we got a ton of responses. Mm. People definitely have feelings about their favorite authors. Yep. <laughs> so I'd love to list them all, but that would be like a whole episode. Uh, so <laughs> here's just a few. Uh, Christy Kay said that she, her autobi authors are Sarah J. Moss, Tana French, Taylor, Jenkins Reid, J.K. Rowling, John Adams, Amy Kaufman, Billy Collins, Brian K. Vaughn, and Kwame Alexander. There's a lot of good ones in that. Yeah, really. Uh, And then let's see, uh, Minerva S. Butler said her autobiographers are Stephen King, Tana French, Kate Atkinson, Donna Tartt, Scott Lynch, Patrick Rothfuss, woohoo! Sarah Waters and Michael Faber. So I mean, Patrick was... would have to release another book. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> then, then, yeah, hands down. <laughs> but it was Who definitely are... cool to see two authors on there that we've read for book club: Scott mm-hmm. Lynch and Patrick Rothfuss. Yep, that's true. Yeah, true, true. What What does Tana French? Right. <laughs> I, I don't know. But apparently, mysteries. I need to Something. check her out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, mysteries. Yeah, um, she's been on my list for a while. I just haven't gotten to pick anything up. But I recently heard that she's maybe got some uh, darkness in her stories, and lately I haven't been able to do like dark stories very well. So yeah. mm-hmm. it's good know. to know, though. But she's yeah. supposed to be really good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I might and check it up. I'll just do one more out of the whole bunch we got. Uh, Suvata said that. Her autobi authors are Haruki Murakami, Donna Tartt, Frederick Bachman, George Saunders, James Patterson, with the caveat, only the Alex Cross books, fair. <laughs> and Stephen King. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, if I an author the caveat has, was, was good. Yeah, has multiple series. You only like one series, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Exactly. So I'm learning that I need to, I guess, pick up Donna Tart and Tana French because mm-hmm. they showed up a lot on these lists. Yep. <laughs> like, I've right. never heard of these authors, so time to check them out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what about you ladies? Who are some of your autobi authors? Uh, well, for me, uh, Rainbow Rural is one of them. Love mm-hmm. her. I have loved I mean, I haven't read all her books, but I've read a majority and I've loved every single one. So I will just click that buy button for her books. Um, mm-hmm. And then when I used to buy and uh, collect manga, um, the pretty much the only auto buy was um, Clamp, a group of women who just wrote phenomenal, phenomenal graphic novels um, that I absolutely love. Like if I went back to buying manga again, like they would be the ones I would be buying all the time. <laughs> Cool. Yeah, just they had beautiful stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. And did do a majority of the things I loved. Yeah. Not, I mean, the things they didn't do were like the giant robots. Yeah. And they didn't, I they love didn't do me giant some robots. giant robots, but <laughs> there are others who do giant robots. <laughs> That's true. I mean, and they did the Magical Girl series that are the Magical Girl thing like super well. Yeah, so. they did. Yep. <laughs> they they really did. <laughs> So, yeah. How about you, Meredith? Well, funny enough, I would say Victoria <laughs> Schwab. Uh, if you couldn't tell, I'm a little bit of a fan. Just, just sad. <laughs> You're um, intense and we love it, baby. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, yeah. I just love all of her work. And I'm just, obviously, I'm getting really excited for her future work. But it's, it's kind of a problem, guys. <laughs> because, you know, I started out buying her stuff on Kindle you know, I got like the Shades of Magic, the first two on Kindle, but then I was like, oh my gosh, but uh, she's going to come and talk in the D.C. area and I want to get uh, Conjuring of Light signed, so I need to get that in the hardback. <laughs> but I can't just have the last one in a hardback, sure. so I have to so. go buy the other two in the hardback. <laughs> and, you know, I got Vicious this on my Kindle. It, it is. is. It, it is. is totally a problem. <laughs> and so now I have Vicious on my Kindle. Because, like, you can't really find the hardback very easily anymore. Mm-hmm. But she said that they're going to be re-releasing Vicious with a new cover in hardback when uh, Vengeful comes out. So now I'm like, well, I'm going to have to buy that. <laughs> and then, you know, I got the Savage Song. And, of course, I had to pick up our Dark Duet because I know I'm going to want to read it right after this. So, you see, Victoria Schwab is taking all my money, but I'm okay with it. <laughs> It's, you like, know, it's this, for a good cause. You told me, so Mare told me last week about the, like, Vicious is going to be re-released with Vengeful, and, like, that really gave me pause because I have the same problem. Like, I was like, oh, no, I have to buy it again. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's every book. Oh, your lives so hard, you guys. And she's also coming out with a collector's edition of A Darker Shade of Magic. Like, I saw that. I was angry about that. I was like, I already own all those books. <laughs> <laughs> Do not make me think about buying a second copy. I don't need it. How dare you? That's how they get well, you. They're great. They know. But, Those pretty covers. I mean, I'm not going to because, you know, I, but I want it. That's the problem. Yes. Well, that's why you asked for it for, like, Christmas or Hanukkah exactly. or your birthday or something. Yep. That's my plan, at least. So then my husband can't yell at me. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so obviously Victoria Schwab for me, uh, I'm in the same boat as Sue, Rainbow Rowell. Uh, I own all of her stuff and I'm just like eagerly awaiting. I know Runaways is coming out soon. Uh, I'm so excited. Yeah. 
<laughs> breathe, Tara, breathe. It's like my two favorite things. <laughs> so I definitely, I pretty much auto-buy all of her stuff at this point because yep. she's a genius. Yep. And then I was also thinking, I was like, oh, yeah, well, J.K. Rowling, obviously, right? But then I stopped and thought about it, and I was like, well... I never read A Casual Vacancy, and I haven't picked up any of the Robert Galbraith, which is technically J.K. Rowling. Mm -hmm. So maybe I think my caveat is J.K. Rowling, Harry Potter, Wizarding World books? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So all tangential media. I mean, you've already gone to see the play. You've seen all the movies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, the Harry Potter world. Can we we have an auto-buy by by world? (laughs) I should think so. That should be okay. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's my problem is like I'm not – so I have limited space and my husband's not a reader. So I don't have like auto-buy authors. Like library, of course, like I'll pick up anything. But I do have auto-buy series Mm -hmm. like Mm. um, Patricia Briggs' uh, Mercy Thompson series. Yeah, That's an auto-buy. I'm like two books behind in that series, um, possibly three at this point. But I just keep picking them up when I see them because I just love that series and I know I'm going to pick it up eventually. Mm-hmm. So, like, I have that. Um, Rainbow Rowell, of course, is um, awesome. But I had to stop buying her books because I was like, this is this is going to get to be a problem. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, I, well, I knew it was going to get to be a problem because I had the same, like, Victoria Schwab issue in that I bought – a darker shade of magic and when i went to buy the other two they didn't match so i had to buy a darker shade of magic again so that they would match because i'm crazy (laughs) no it's completely understandable so yeah there's you know there's that but um like the robert galbraith series from jk rowling i love that series i will pick that up in a heartbeat Mm -hmm. so like that's an auto buy for me and i think when the third second or third one came out I, again it was i knew i wasn't gonna re- read it right away but i bought it automatically mm-hmm. so i have auto buy series yeah and every now and then the auto buy author which is why i have a huge problem with book space and a non-reader <laughs> husband who's like really you're gonna buy more books <laughs> but it's part of a series <laughs> yeah it has to go with the rest of them exactly <laughs> it makes the shelf look nice yep <laughs> What about you, Tara? So, okay. I mean, I'm going to just automatically go through the ones everybody already said, which is um, Rainbow Rowell, even though I'm behind on one book. I have not read one. Don't judge me. And, um, you know, I, I love a Tora Schwab. I'm, I think I do own everything but Vicious. I just haven't read it all. And just, I'm going, like, my life. Um, I'm just going through it slowly. Um Cassandra Clare, clearly. I mean, she comes out with anything, and I'm, I'm immediately reading into the universe. I'm completely in on it. Um, you know, she does those con- uh, short story books, and she'll release the short stories individually, yeah. and I'll buy those electronically, and then buy the hardback because I'm crazy. <laughs> um, so Cassandra Clare, um, you know, I was gonna say Jennifer. Robertson, who created one of my favorite series, Tiger and Dell, um, which is for anybody who doesn't recognize those, maybe you've heard of the Sword Sworn series or Sword Dancer series. Um, anyway, they're great. They're great books. But I just, in order to do this podcast, I looked her up 
And there's two new books. She said she was done, and there's two new books. So I told I'm you. I, I was like, I remember I was like, a couple years ago, I was like, is she coming out with a new book? And Tara's like, nah, she said she was done. I was like, okay. <laughs> I believed her. It has a really good rating. It's like a 4.2 on wow. good rates. So yeah, I mean, they're, they're entertaining I books. I am like, going to read it. Um, I've read her Caravan series. I've read the, I'm going to murder this. The um, Chesuli series. Oh, man. Um, but, yeah. Anyway, her stuff is great. Um, she totally doesn't get enough um, love, in my opinion. So check her out if you've never heard of her. Um, I mean, I love a lot of authors who are unfortunately no longer with us. And I don't think they mm. count. Because no. <laughs> they're not coming out with new stuff. That would be amazing. So I'm going to ignore <laughs> that. Oh, my God, right. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, I'd, I mean, I'd pick up a new book. I'm, it's not an autobite, but I'd pick up a new book by Margaret Atwood tomorrow. In fact, I, I have picked up her most recent book. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Margaret Atwood is, like, one of the best living authors we have around still. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much that's pretty much it, you guys. Um, mm-hmm. I, I have book ADD, so it's hard for me to like <laughs> keep up with authors. I'm not as, I'm not quite as good as Meredith. Sorry. <laughs> well, that's why we need Meredith around. Meredith mm-hmm. keeps us on track. Pretty much. Clearly. Oh man, <laughs> a lot to put on my shoulders. <laughs> oh, look, Meredith, your job is to read Ve Schwab's Twitter feed. I think you can do it. <laughs> well, yeah, I think I can handle that since I'm doing it anyway. <laughs> so are we ready to go, speaking of V.E. Schwab, are we ready to do a deep dive into this savage song? Yes. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love Meredith. Yes, please. Can I have some more? Yes. yes. Keep going. I will give you more. So um, let's do a summary first before we get going. Um, Kate Harker and August Flynn are heirs to a divided city, a city where the violence has begun to breed actual monsters. All Kate wants is to be as ruthless as her father, who lets the monsters roam free and make the humans pay for his protection. All August wants is to be human, as good-hearted as his own father, to play a bigger role in protecting the innocent, but he's one of the monsters. One who can steal a soul with a simple strain of music. So, uh, I mean, there's a lot in this book, but if you all could pick one thing that stood out to you in this book, what would it be? Okay, sorry. One thing jumped out at me within the first few pages, actually. Um, Kate, the, as you know, as the story's going, it was saying Kate's good ear, or she's turning her good ear this way, or blah blah blah. And I was like, huh? Hmm? Kind of piqued my interest. I was like, as in she's deaf in one ear, because that's what I call my ear that works is my good ear, because I'm deaf in one ear, and I've never seen that in a book. And I thought that was super interesting. And so, of course, I. Like, as soon as I see that, I put the book down and I jump onto Twitter and I tweet uh, the Schwab. And I was like, so, I just started this book. Is Kate deaf in one ear? 
And she tweeted me back like within a couple of minutes. It was like, yeah, she lost it in a car. She lost hearing in one ear in a car accident. And I was like, huh, you know, like it's kind of a funny thing to like feel kind of cool about. But, you know, seeing my disability in a character that I've never seen before is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Visibility, man. Yep. It's important. <laughs> it's so important. Yep. Yeah, that's really cool. Well, for me, I was surprised at how uh, the the book just flowed so well. Um, I don't want to say lyrical, but I, I was listening to the audiobook, and I just really, the pacing was just so good. Um, it just flowed really, really well for me, and I really enjoyed that. It was a really good listening experience in that sense. Mm. Yep. Well, I like that you said lyrical because so much of this is kind of based with music, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I feel like sometimes like people say lyrical and they don't really, it's like they kind of not use it correctly. So it's like, I don't really want to say lyrical, but the flow is wonderful. Like, I loved it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It is. Oh, she's such a good writer. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, for me, like one of the things that stood out was that... Um, so I read somewhere, and I don't remember if it was like on in her bio or on her Twitter or something. Like, she, you know, it was one of those things. Like, what you know, what do you spend your time doing? And she's like, I spend my time thinking about monsters. And one thing that stood out to me in this book was the way she writes characters. Is that so? They like some of her characters. They are monsters, or they're not necessarily good people. Like they're very flawed, but you really, really connect with them. You relate to them. You root for them. Um, you understand the characters that you don't root for really well. Like she just writes such great characters. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. I I particularly I actually speaking of I spend my time thinking monsters, and we're going to talk about this later, so I won't get too into it. But man, I love the monster system. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think. Specifically, the Sunai. I think the Sunai are infinitely interesting. So, um, but we'll get into it later. So I won't, I won't spoil all my thoughts now. Um, so she writes under two different names, uh, which can be confusing mm-hmm. to people who don't know better, like me at first. Um, Victoria Schwab versus V. E. Schwab, and Victoria is who sh- uh, the name she goes under for her Y. A middle grade era books, while V.E. Schwab is her adult book series. So Savage Song is under Victoria, and Shades of Magic are under V.E. Schwab. So what are your thoughts about sort of like her dual personality? I find it interesting because I've read books under V.E. and I've read books under Victoria, and she does a lot of the same things in both books. So I kind of like, just like her writing flows seamlessly, that her themes can flow seamlessly from like one to another. Because, for example, this book has a lot about monsters and what makes a monster and, you know, who really is or isn't. And in a book like Vicious, there's a lot about... Um, so vicious is about some people who give themselves superpowers basically. And it's basically like, what is the right thing to do with these new found powers and who's right and who's wrong with how you use those abilities. So they're themes that can translate from 
YA to adult really, really cleanly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's interesting that she has a differentiation between where you can look at a book and say, oh, okay, so this is, she's gearing this towards YA or she's gearing this towards adult. But, you know, even considering the Savage Song is a YA, it's still pretty dark, you know? Yeah, I don't think it's a dark thing. I think it's a sex thing. Hmm. Um, There's like, it's all middle school era you know, they look longingly at each other. (laughs) They're alone for days together in really tense situations. And, you know, in any other novel, there would at least be some, right, you know, some very sexual thinking going on. And it's all very under the gaze of you know, or through the gaze of, oh, you know, she looked beautiful in this light, or, oh, you know, I want, and it's like, it's, you know, it's, I think, I think it's the U.S. version of YA, you know, there's still all the violence, Mm -hmm. (laughs) lots of violence, and lots of, you know, dark content, but the sex has sort of been edited out. Well, and we'll see, I mean, there is a second book, Um, I don't know. But it's also kind of the world, right? I mean, they're like focusing on surviving at the moment. So I don't know. Yeah, I kind of liked that the focus was on, you know, this is what we have to do right now because this is our priority. And it was less on the romance. I actually kind of found that kind of refreshing. Oh, uh, yeah. Yes, I yes. mean, I don't have a problem with it. I'm just saying I think that's where the line might be from V.E. to Victoria, because I agree, Mm. I think it's really dark, Um, especially all the father stuff. Um, Yeah. uh, I don't know. What about you, Susan? Um, I mean, I basically agree to what you you guys have said. (laughs) Um, I I mean, it could be, it is refreshing not seeing any of the sexual tension or any, anything like that. Um, I don't know. I feel like uh, it's not just um, like the, the sexual part of a relationship that's taking out that would make it YA. I just think, um, I don't know. I feel like it, it, it's a little simpler in the tone. Um, and uh, what they're thinking about is not quite what adults would think about in that situation, you know? Like, I feel like the way of thinking is also different, which might make it YA more than, you know, adult. So, um, yeah. And they're definitely, they're still figuring themselves out, right? They're still growing up. They're still trying to figure out who they are in many ways, I guess. Yep. So just different points in life. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Um, Although you can have adult books about kids that age, but I agree. I think that... Why also tends to be that who are you story, mm-hmm. um, yep. which clearly this is covering. Um, so let's get to the monster system. Yeah. <laughs> so there's three monsters, the Malachi, the Corsi, and the Sunai. And uh, some quotes. Um, the Corsi are sort of the, like the boogeyman 
things under your bed mm-hmm. sort of monsters. Corsi, Corsi, tooth and claw, shadow and bone will eat you raw. And then it's Malachi, Malachi, sharp and sly, smile and bite and drink you dry. So clearly they're the vampires. Sunai, Sunai, eyes like coal, sing you a song and steal your soul. Um, so the Corsi come from seemingly violent but non-lethal acts. So this is more like everyday harm, Mm -hmm. which I thought was really, guys, I have a lot of feelings about all this. Mm -hmm. Um, The Malachi is stemmed from murders, but the Sunai come from the darkest crimes of all, Um, bombing, shootings, massacre events, um, that events that claim not just one life, but many lives. Mm -hmm. Um, And they seem to be the most benevolent of the monsters. Um, I thought was really interesting. So uh, I don't want to just ramble at you all. So why don't we start with Jeanette? Jeanette, what do you think about this system? I love the system. I mean, and I love that each monster is like different and it comes from a different place. I found that really, really fascinating. In fact, that I was um, telling some family members about this book a couple weeks ago and my brother is not a reader but he loves monsters and that's how I sold this to my brother I was like you have to hear about this monster system it's awesome and then he was like so so what's this book called again (laughs) awesome (laughs) yeah I because it's so fascinating like the the way she thought it through and the way it plays out logically I especially like the Sunai the darkest crime in its own way, brings out the most benevolent monster. Mm-hmm. And there's just something really fascinating about that. There is. You can't see me. I'm sh- I was shaking my head and I realized, wait, she cannot see me <laughs> nodding to what she's saying. Um, I can feel it right here, Tara. <laughs> oh, God, we're so in sync, man. We're just tracking so hard this morning. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I think it's, I think it's wonderful how everything is somewhat in reverse. Like the most terrible things you can imagine create the monsters. If you can call them monsters, because really are they more monstrous than humans who do these acts, guys, Mm -hmm. Um, whose job or like purpose in the world really is to rid the world of sinners who create these problems. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's something really beautiful. But like I said before, then you've got the Corsi, who are terrifying, (laughs) terrifying uh, monsters. And they're everywhere. And they're everywhere because they come from crimes that are so easy to commit because humanity is so dark. I I just... It can be really stupid. Yeah. Isn't that that interesting, though? I mean, they're they're all scary in their own right, I suppose. But yeah, like the ones that you really think of as the boogeyman or the monsters come from the non-lethal acts of violence. Right. Domestic abuse, hitting a kid, um, stealing something from something. Like, it could be, it's just, yeah, it's really good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it shows how, like, insidious those little things are, how they get under your skin. Right. Well, and how it poisons the society. Cause it's, yeah, and it grows. I, I have so many thoughts about this. Oh, man. Guys. It's so good. I, about, like, I really think this is a really great, um, you know, analogy for, for, like, how we are 
as as a society and how these little things you think that, oh, you think that like slapping a kid's hand or you think that, oh, you, I mean, no one thinks that their neighbor getting hurt or abused is good, but, you know, people ignore it. People ignore it every day. You think, oh, it's not my problem. It is your problem because what it's doing is it's poisoning how we think about each other and it's poisoning how we behave towards each other. Um, you know, meanwhile, the the really tragic things we you know, in a, in a weirdly like messed up way, um, make us come together a little bit in our communities. You know, yeah. when something that tragic happens, we all, you know, look to each other and talk to each other and, and for at least a little bit, you know, care about each other a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And it, it's terrible that it takes something like that, you know? So I think it, it's just a really interesting conversation about that. Mm-hmm. Susan, have yeah. you thrown in your two cents here? Uh, no, I agree with I agree with everything. But what I really like is that not only does um, the monster system kind of show you, you know, how terrible these acts can be, but it doesn't like it doesn't just brush it aside. Like you, like you mentioned, like hey, a mugging, yeah, nobody died, but that's still pretty bad. Like right, it's not dismissing right. it. You know, like any <sighs> violent act is still bad, you know? And I mean, I feel like in this day and age, a lot of it's dismissed because it happens so frequently, which is terrible, you know? Mm-hmm. And in this, in this way, which is why the corsai is so, is, is everywhere in the world is because it's still going on. Like, you, have you not learned? I mean, you seem to have like caught on that these monsters stem from these things, but you have done nothing to fix it. You know, you're not, you're trying I to, know. you're trying to just like trim it. You're not trying to get to the root of the problem <laughs> and you know the answer. <laughs> well, and that's that, the thing, right? The corsi live in the dark. Yeah. What, what makes them go away? Shining light on them. Right. Yeah. Shining light on the problem, guys. <laughs> it, it's heavy handed, but awesome. And I don't care. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I love it so much. You, know, you can do heavy-handed and it'll be eye-rolling, but you can also do heavy-handed well, and yes. that's what has happened here. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Agreed. Um, all right, I could literally talk about this all day. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, Speaking of the Sunai specifically, what do you think about them being born from awful tragedies? Um, I found that fascinating. Um, to me, it felt like the world mm-hmm. was trying to find a balance to help find that balance from from a terrible tragedy from a bombing let's say um the world was like this is this is awful like we need to do something to help correct it in some way to like have it be more equal than more evil um and the sunai and the you know Mm -hmm. so the sunai would be born you know to try to help that if but then go ahead (laughs) Because I think you're going in the same oh, no, direction. It's just cause... <laughs> no, 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 no. I want you to complete your thought. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So with the Sunai being born, but I mean, it all depends on how I guess they grow. I mean, they they emerge from this awful tragedy, but then they're lost right when they're first when they first appear. Um, so then it's like, well, how how do we do this for good? How do, how would the Sunai kind of help? bring more good into the world. Um, you know. 
And I think it's interesting because the way they were born or the tragedies that surround their creation are directly you know, directly impact how they relate to the world, mm-hmm. right? Leo comes from some mass cult situation. Um, and so he's a very righteous character. He feels he knows what to do, mm-hmm. um, even if that thing is good or, you know, as we see, maybe not so good. Mm-hmm. Um, misguided, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ma- yeah maybe, maybe misguided. Um, Ilsa comes from a bombing in a basement of a big hotel, Raptor the Chaos started. So um, her powers can be literally explosive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and she always seems, you know, for Buffy fans out there, a little Drusilla-esque, a little not not as evil, <laughs> not evil Drusilla, um, good, if Drusilla was good, but a little like maybe heads in the clouds, you know, seeing right. things that other people wouldn't see because she sort of expanded herself because, I mean, it was a... She is literally scattered from the events that created her. Um, and she's, uh, she's floaty. Floaty. Yeah, I kept yeah. thinking of her. Floaty yeah. is a good word. Um, and then we have August, who, by the way, Leo and August, Ilsa. I mean, I, I see what you did there. They're all, never mind. Um, as a Leo, I see what you did there. Um, <laughs> um, he comes from when a. Uh, mass shooting happens at a school. Um, So it's very violent. Um, But in some ways, it makes him the most innocent of the three, considering who the victims all were. I think that's what he takes from it. Um, What do you think about those three and how they're the same and how they're different and what she might be trying to communicate through that? Meredith, calling you. <laughs> it's just, it's so interesting, right? I mean, because you have the the monster system, which has all these levels. And then within one monster, you have all of these different levels too, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, the yeah, it's just so interesting. I mean, <laughs> I know that's not adding much to the conversation, but um, just how they can have all of these very different personalities. Because, I mean, for... I would say usually you think of, oh, well, there's a monster. They pretty much, they're all the same type of monster, right? And they all act the same or they all think the same. But at least not for these. I'd say maybe for, um, what, the Corsi, they seem to be pretty Mm -hmm. one-minded. The Malachi, I think they probably do have their own kind of um, personalities or, you know, how they see the world, which may come from whatever murders they stemmed from. But the, the Sunai, these huge, yeah, bombing, shootings, massacres, everything, they're all so different and they all have different reasons for happening that it's just really interesting to see what monsters have formed from them. Yeah. And um, at one point, I think, I guess it was when August was talking to Kate about everything. Yeah, um, you know, he says, or she says, I guess, and you, your brother is righteous, your sister is scattered. What does that make you? And August says, lost. Hmm. And what happens, yeah. you know, when a kid is so afraid of the world he lives in that he escapes the only way he knows violently. I just want to hold him. <laughs> I know. Oh, my little baby. <laughs> so, but what about Leo specifically? 
Uh, guys, do you think he's working towards the greater good? Do you think he's a real villain? Do you see his point of view? And, you know, he has this great lie, line. Uh, lie. <laughs> Oopsie. He has a great <laughs> line about peace versus penance um, from page 185. And that is, why should they go gently? Why shouldn't they suffer for their sins? Our purpose is not to bring peace. It is to bestow penance. So thoughts on Leo? Thoughts on his his work? Well, that's one of the reasons why I use the word misguided, because yeah. I can definitely see how he thinks he's working towards the greater good. Mm -hmm. I see how he thinks he's doing the right thing. And I think it's something that happens so easily to so many people where you think you're doing what's right and you get carried away, you take it too far, or you don't see the actual harm that you're causing instead of the peace that he thinks he's, uh, he's, I shouldn't say he thinks he's bringing because he doesn't think he's supposed to bring peace. But like he thinks he's doing something good and he doesn't see how he's causing more harm than good than doing good. And I think it's so easy to fall into that trap and to, you know, get carried away. And I don't know that he's you know, a real villain in the sense that, you know, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't want to do good in like the classic term of the sense villain. But I think that's when villains are scariest is when they're convinced that they're doing something right. Well, all villains yeah. are the heroes of their own story. Jeanette. That is true. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but there are some villains, you know, and this is tends to be, you know, more classic or like children's tales, but they like, they know they're wrong. And they're like, but F it, I'm going to get my way. Right. Uh, but clearly, Leo's like, no, I'm doing what's right. And that's when I think villains are scariest. Is when they can't see the difference between what they're doing and what's actually good. Yeah, and I think his thought process is, because it's so much, so much more, um, just the complete opposite of what August thinks. Um I mean, between peace and penance, you know, penance is more of like, you know, you need to pay, you need to like make up for these wrong things you have done by, you know, punishment. Whereas peace is more like, you know, I know you did these bad things, but you know, you need, just need to go quietly. You know, I mean, it's one of the reasons why I feel like they take sinners' souls, you know, um, they don't necessarily suffer. Uh, when when they're under the spell, I don't know how else to put it. <laughs> right, um, they don't. But and you yeah. but you hear some people that I think I mean there was at least once in the book where they were describing how terrible the crime was, and I was like, even I was like, do you deserve right to go this easy? <laughs> Which is Leo, like he just bulges, you know, bulls right. through and just like takes the soul or whatnot. And there's here's August who's like trying to be gentle about it, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, just be mm -hmm. like, you've been, you know, you've been really bad. You've done these awful things. You know, you just, you shouldn't be in this world. <laughs> Whereas Leo is like, you shouldn't mm -hmm. be in this world, you know, punch. So. <laughs> right. Like you're, you're the reason that more monsters are being right. created. Right. 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 Um, and it is. It's interesting. Well, and are that... they not monsters themselves? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like at that point? Well, I mean, that's the question, right? Yeah. yeah that's <laughs> the discussion. <laughs> yeah. That's like, 
what's the dividing line between hint, hint, what makes hint. you a human and what makes you a monster and, mm-hmm. and what's the gray area? Yeah. Yeah. So if Leo is not capital T, the villain, who is the villain of this story? Oh. Hmm. Everyone. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. Is there this one? I mean, I think that's kind of the point is that the, these monsters, they come from villainous acts. And for there to be so many of them, there are a lot of people committing villainous acts. Right. Well, there's certainly a villain in August and Kate's story. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely antagonists, but I think kind of like, I think that's part of the point is that there's so many villains. Like, there's so much they're actually fighting against. Like, that's what society has come to. Mm. Um, but, yeah, the, the Malachi's name has completely left me, and I don't have my Sloan. book. Sloan. 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 Thank yes, you. Sloan. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Sloan does everything that Harker tells him to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, to so, a certain so, point, he still worked behind Harper's back with Leo. Right. Yeah. So Yeah, he had true. his own agenda as right. well. So they all have their own agenda. Yeah. So if we're talking exactly. about a pyramid, you know, Sloan would be the peak, I feel, and then Leo and Harker would be like right below them. I'm not saying like Sloan was the leader, but I'm like, you know, he was the the the, the point villainist person. of the yeah. villain. The, he was like the point person, you know. <laughs> well, I guess Sloan is going to continue to be the villain in the next book right Right. Mm -hmm. um so i think that kind of moves him up some but man her kate's dad are you kidding me he's pretty terrible like yeah i mean don't get me started right i mean talk about (laughs) being a human that's the most monstrous of them all you know Mm. oh i can't even imagine what his soul would look like no jeez not good Something I don't want to think about. <laughs> so so let, let's change yeah. gears then. Oh, unless Susan? I, yeah, just like one question. I don't, I can't quite remember if they talked about this or if it's just like a, we can make up a huge crazy theory about it. But I mean, so, you know, the Sunai feed upon the sinners, you know, feed upon their souls. So is it the worse, the sin, the quote-unquote tastier the soul is where <laughs> <laughs> they're fuller they are i yeah, don't know yeah but maybe the fuller the they more are more bountiful that meal is <laughs> i think it probably helps them stay not in the dark <laughs> you know it doesn't help helps, <laughs> right. helps them keep their tallies so, look yeah. we all get hangry sometimes august gets hangry august is hangry through a lot of this book. he sure is <laughs> i'm like boy you gotta eat man Oh yeah, especially so, when yeah, he so was like at the, the worst, the center, yeah. like the, like then, the like, higher the protein. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. I don't think they address it, but I would believe it. I, I would be willing to. <laughs> so I, then Harper would be to like that a cannon. Yeah, it would be because like you know super bountiful meal, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well let's let's go away from monsters and villains, and let's actually talk about. Our protagonist for a second. You know, we have two protagonists, two points of view in this book. Um, how do you think they work as joint protagonists of the story? Or do you think they do work? Or do you think there should have just been a book about August or a book about Kate? 
I mean, I would love to read an entire book from either of them. <laughs> sure. But I really thought this worked well. Yeah. And I liked when it started taking turns that I didn't expect it to take quite yet. Um, like Kate figuring out who August was came earlier so than I expected quick. it to. Yeah. Oh my God, I know. I was like, where is this even going? <laughs> yeah, I was, like, I was like, oh, she's going to eventually figure it out. And then she did like the next page. And I was like, oh, well, she did. And <laughs> I liked that in that sense of the, you know, it taking it from both perspectives added to those reveals like even though you knew they were coming you when the turns happened faster or slower than you expected them to I think it worked better when you were getting both um, sides of the story yep I think it made it more interesting in this case um I I feel like it's in theory, in my head, going back and forth between two perspectives with chapters is a little clunky. Um, but it it flowed. She found like really good points to weave the chapters together to go back and forth, so it didn't feel like that. Um, so that was really nice. I liked it. I'm with you, Jeanette. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, when it's done well, it's done well. And when mm-hmm. it's done terrible, it's done terrible. And this is a book that does it well. Mm-hmm. And there aren't many. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think Schwab is kind of a master at characterization, right? Mm-hmm. Um, she it's really true. She really fleshes out her characters. And I feel like all of, so all the Shades of Magic and Vicious and then this, those are what I've read of her so far. And they all alternate between points of view, right? Mm-hmm. Between different characters. And it's just something she's really good at. And I think it adds depth to the story because you're getting, you know, you're getting these thoughts and feelings from more than one person. But I agree, it it could go very wrong. But I think it was very right. (laughs) No, and I agree with you with the depth thing. Like, um, to to steal from another adaptation, um, I really enjoyed the Hunger Games movies as opposed to, I mean, I enjoyed the books too, don't get me wrong. Um, But I love seeing things that we couldn't see because we weren't Mm -hmm. always with Katniss. Right. Um, And I thought that really helped enrich the world. And I think that's what it does here. Plus, I think you need it in this particular situation because you've got Kate, who's a human, and August, who's a monster. And Mm -hmm. And I think that dialogue would is best served in this format with those two protagonists because that's really the big question Mm -hmm. right of this entire book is Mm -hmm. are you human or are you a monster and what's the difference what does that mean right Mm -hmm. um which is actually going to be the last question i leave you all with (laughs) before (laughs) we get to the end um so what does make you human and what does make you a monster oh that's a hard question (laughs) Right. I mean, it's, well, it's, it's obviously very dependent on the person, Mm -hmm. but, um, I feel like I read this or heard this in an interview that she gave somewhere, but she said that the whole premise of the Savage Song came from a quote in her book, Vicious, where it said, plenty of humans were monstrous and plenty of monsters knew how to play at being human. Which Kate says, right? Mm -hmm. In the beginning of the book. It's possible. Or, or um, it's, I think it's, it might be the um, the epigraph. Yeah. Is it? Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. I just remember it. <laughs> I haven't read Bishop, so. Right. 
Yeah, it's it. Yeah, it's the epigraph, which actually made me really smile because when I read it, I was like, "V.A. Vale, I know who that is." Yeah. <laughs> it's like she's being tricky, <laughs> trying to make me think she's quoting somebody. Um, but no, that is it's the real question, and yeah. it's I think it's a hard one to answer because. I mean, isn't that kind of like what people have been trying to figure out for centuries? Like what makes humans human? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and that's the thing also is like, you know, monsters are created from terrible acts that humans make. So exactly. the <laughs> monsters are just going by the instinct that, that they were created from. And the, who's their creators? Humans are the creators. Um, so that makes the humans m- more awful in that sense. Um, which is why I find it fascinating that Sunais exist, you know, as being like the highest monsters, rare monsters, um, and that they try to, um, you know, take away sinners from the world, you know? Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. feel like, I'm not saying, you know, it'd be nice if the world was good and wonderful and everybody was nice and and loving, Um, but... You know, that's a perfect world. We don't live in a perfect world. These people don't live in a perfect world. Um, But the fact that this, you know, this class of monsters are trying to make it more balanced is fascinating. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. You know, taking this awful human act and they try to bring some, make make the world good and balance it out. Um, So it's, it's, it's murky. And gray. <laughs> it's murky. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's somewhere in between the lines, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he, he at, she asks him at one point, why would you even want to be human? We're so fragile. We die. And his response to her is, you also live. You know, I think maybe the big overarching moral of this story, um, if I would be so bold as to assign one, is that it doesn't matter how you are born, it matters how you live. Right. Yes. And definitely. Yeah. It doesn't matter how you came into this world, it just matters what you do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what makes you either human or a monster. Um, so, yeah. So, that's any final thoughts before, before we close up here, guys? I, I loved it. <laughs> um, I got to. I got to say, because um, I listened to A Darker Shade of Magic, an audiobook, um, and I think the narrators made a huge difference of how I felt because I loved this savage song more than A Darker Shade of Magic. And I think one of the reasons mm. is because, yeah, it was because the narrators were just so different. The narrator for this savage song was phenomenal. She was so fantastic. Um, and I didn't feel that way with the narrator for A Darker Shade of Magic. <laughs> Just read it then. Yeah, like, yeah I might get have what to do you that. listen to and go get go get the book. I might have to do that. <laughs> get the book, Susan. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I actually, at this point, I love this Savage Song a lot more than A Darker Shade of Magic. Was this is the only other book I've read from her from um, V. E. Schwab. So, well, I can see us maybe in the future doing a you know, a Darker Shade of Magic series podcast. Right. Like, we plan to do a Shadowhunter podcast. <laughs> uh, spoilers. Um, but, you know, I, I, you know, so you got to read it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, guys, 
Susan loved it, but how did the rest of you all feel? I feel like we're all on the same page. <laughs> I, I think it's safe to say that we all liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, I remember like when I was talking about having read A Darker Shade of Magic, how I had said, like, I think I overhyped that book up for myself in various ways. I do want to go back and read it, having read something else by Schwab between um because i think i'll see it with fresher eyes but i really liked this book mm-hmm. like this was just so great yep. i had so much fun i can't wait to pick up the second book same here so mm-hmm. yep a dark duet now out in stores so. <laughs> <laughs> well that was an amazing talk we can talk about this book probably for hours more mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, But uh, sadly, we need to wrap this up. And the next book on Eclectic Readers will be Dark Matter by Blake Crouch. Um, Show notes can be found at eclecticreaders.fireside.fm slash 40. Um, all the show notes. What, what? Yep, Four all the show notes. Old, yeah, <laughs> right? Um, I got a gray the other day. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've been getting a ton of them. (laughs) Um, But you can find the show notes. You'll find books that we've mentioned. You'll find Goodreads and Amazon links to that and to the links we've talked about, like uh, the announcement for V.E. Schwab's books that are coming up in the future. Um, And so now where can people find you on the Internet, ladies? Jeanette? Uh, You can find me on Goodreads and Litzy at JMT Rivera. You can find me on Twitter at Dr. Jeanette. That's D-R-J-E-A-N-N-E-T-T-E. Yeah, how about you, Tara? You can always find me on Goodreads, Twitter, and Litzy, all under the same name, my name, which is Tara, T-A-R-A, Newman, N-E-W-M-A-N, all one word. Come chat me up. <laughs> how about you, Meredith? You can find me on Goodreads, Twitter, Litzy, and Instagram, all under Mare the Book Gal, M-E-R-E-T-H-E-B-O-O-K-G-A-L. And what about you, Susan? Oh, people can find me on Goodreads, Twitter, and Litzy at Duri Kaicho. That's R-U-R-I underscore K-A-I-C-H-O-U. And please don't forget to subscribe to your favorite podcatcher so you will never miss an episode, especially special ones, hint, hint, that are coming up in the future. Uh, please rate and review us on iTunes. That'll be the best way to people find us. Um, you know, people looking for books to talk about and listen to people talk about. So please rate and review us. And I think that's it. So let's go ahead and shelve this until next month.